Welcome to the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. We've got a jam-packed podcast today. The 2019 Pan Am Games are in the books, and nine athletes left with medals around their necks thanks to the LRC-funded arbitration case. We've got the Birmingham Diamond League meet this weekend, as finally the Diamond League is back. Shelby Houlihan won't be there, and she won't be in the Diamond League final. But, hey, that may not matter. Laura Muir is hurt. Faith Kipiegan is also out of the Diamond League final. Sinclair Johnson has gone pro. King Chaz will be at the Falmouth Road Race. We've got a new segment where your dreams become reality. Guys, Jonathan, Robert, welcome. Where should we begin today? How about a plug for the sponsors? The Let's Run.com shoes site. Let's Run.com slash shoes. Folks, we've been telling you for weeks to review your shoes. You've done a great job of that. Now we want you to go there. When you need to buy your shoes, when your shoes wear out, that's the beauty of being in the shoe industry. They're, they're, they self-destruct like every six months, so you have to buy a new $150 pair. So when you need your new shoes, go to Let'sRun.com Shoes. Put in your shoe size. It'll give you the cheapest shoes or your the cheapest price on your particular shoe if you're tied to it. Go there. Purchase it. You'll save money. We'll make money. It's called a win-win. Also, Floyd's of Leadville.com, certified CBD products. I'm not sure, John, if we can, if we're allowed to talk about articles that are coming out on the website, but we have an article coming out presumably next week on Jerry and Lawson, who tested positive. By chance, I was listening to a podcast. I don't know how I got this in my feed. It's called Positively Pointless, and they had a steroid researcher on there, Dr. Katinka Vandeven, and it was crazy what she was talking about, how just like... Supplement industries are terrible. A lot of them are tainted with steroids. A lot of people, when they buy black market steroids, aren't even getting steroids. But when you buy supplements, sometimes they've done tests on them and all that's in them is grass. But if you're interested in certified CDDB products, you need certified CBD products. They're from Floyd's of Leadville for recovery. Lots of runners are using them. Go to floydsofleadville.com. Use code RUN2019. Make sure you're getting certified CBD products. All right. Thanks for the sponsor plugs, guys. And... I think we should start with the upcoming Diamond League. Yes, the Diamond League is back after almost a month away. It's back in Birmingham this weekend. That's Birmingham. Sorry. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce it like the Americans do. Birmingham. The uh, people in England would call it Birmingham. But the the interesting event to me, I guess the race itself is not that interesting, the Women's Mile in Birmingham, because six of the top seven in the Diamond League standings are missing, are skipping this meet. What's interesting to me is the state of the women's 1500. Well, you alluded to it in the intro. So Shelby Houlihan is not running this race. Presumably she's healthy and she just doesn't want to make the trip over to Europe. But there are some other athletes who are injured. Laura Muir, the Telegraph has reported, she has a calf injury. She says she's not going to be back to racing until early September. Faith Kipyagon, the Olympic and world champion, has an adductor injury, which caused her to miss the London Diamond League. So... That was last month, and she's not running Birmingham either, which means she's not going to run the final because she doesn't have enough points. And when you add in that Sifan Hassan is probably doing the 5K and 10K at Worlds, I mean, is is Jerry Schumacher's master plan of never racing his athletes, working out to perfection, Shelby Houlihan, everything seems to be coming together for her to win the World Championships in Doha? Yes, it is brilliantly coming together, John, except there's one small problem with this plan. Never raced in Shelby Houlihan. Basically, everybody else in the world is either opting for another event. He's probably paid off Alberto to move Hassan to the 10-5. Everyone else gets hurt. But the one problem is 
Shelby will actually have to race again before the season is over to win. She'll have to race Worlds, and there's several races at Worlds you have to do. The Bowerman Track Club has a, has a policy of, of apparently of only racing no more than three times a year. That's why she's not in Birmingham, because then she might qualify for the Diamond League final. I would love to know what is her racing plans. Like, she, she won USA's. And also, Robert, I don't think three rounds won't be a problem at Worlds because she always she always runs a lot at the championship meets. I mean, World Indoors, she doubled up last year. USA Indoors and Outdoors, she doubles up. I mean, racing a lot of championships, Shelby loves to do that, but it's the meets in between. And the, I, I just want to know, is she going to race at all in between Worlds? And if so, where, if you're not going to run a Diamond League? That's a good point. Look, as a former coach here, I'm the only one that has been paid to be a coach before. Well, Weldon's been paid as well, I guess. Weldon coached some high schoolers on Let'sRun.com to great success. Anyways, um, we're making fun of Jerry and, and Shelly for never racing, but it is kind of working for them. But I actually think it makes sense. I really wanted Shelby. I was looking at the Diamond League. This is the last qualifying meet for the finals for the women in the 1500. So she doesn't have any points. She's definitely not going to the final. She's not racing. I wanted to see her in the final. But to me, it kind of makes sense for her actually to skip this. She was behind game, behind the schedule two or three weeks ago at USA. She said that. And you really, to me, want to have a big block of training. You know, like, I mean, when do world start? At the end of September, right? So this would be the time I would be training really hard and trying to, you know, if, if you're still trying to get mileage in and, and hitting the hard workouts and then tapering down the final three weeks. If, if she wants to get ready for these meets, she's got to kind of drop down now and then it's just like a waste of two months. So I can see it from a coaching standpoint why she wants to just keep building up. But it, for fans, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't want to single out Shelby because she has, I mean, last summer she was racing quite a lot and she, you know, she set that American record in the 5K in Houston. And the other thing is, she's not the only American who's skipping out of this meet. Now she probably has less reason to do so given that she would need to run to get the points to make the diamond league final. Like if you look at some of the other, other Americans that are skipping it, Emma Coburn and Courtney Frerichs aren't running it in the steeplechase, but they're already going to be in the final. So it makes sense for them. They wouldn't come back for one race and then stay an extra two weeks in Europe or something. You know, they would just train in the U S and, then fly over just for the final. Same with Jenny Simpson. She she told me that she's not running in Birmingham because she's hoping she can still get in in the final and just focus on training. So it's I don't want to single out Shelby here, but she is the one. She doesn't have any points, so it is a little odd to me that you know she's not running here to try to make the final. But obviously her focus is on Worlds now. The other interesting thing though is Sifan Hassan. We talked about her doing the 5K, 10K double at the World Championships. I mean, if Kipigon and Muir are banged up, and we don't, you know, Muir, we assume, will be back. Kipigon, we don't really know how serious her injury is, but I feel like we talk about this every week. Is it a mistake for her be doing the 5K, 10K double if these women are out? Should she just do the... the should she try the 10K, 15, which we've advocated for in the past? This is setting up perfectly. Yes, 10K, 1500. I don't even care about the other events, what people are doing. Do you want to be a legend or not? I mean, that's the thing with Sifan Hassan, in all seriousness. She's so good at so many events. But why do we think she's better at the 10K than she would be at the 15 right now? I mean, I guess it kind of depends on, like, I mean, she's already, what, like, number three in the world, and she has a bronze in the 5K. So a lot of the events really depends on, if you're, like, number three in the world, someone's outside of your control. Like, is the number one better than you? And I think Hassan from anywhere from now, even in the 800, 800 up to 10K, 
she arguably could be a top three athlete. I think whether you finish number one, some of it is what is your best event, but also I think what we're alluding to here is the other factor is like, who is your competition? So I don't know. The, the 10, 15 would just would be super cool. You know, we sort of speculate about these things. And I think this whole thing shows like we're talking about the world. We've been talking about the world for three months. And then, you know, an athlete of Shelby Houlihan's caliber doesn't have to run the Diamond League final. And that's, I think, a huge problem with our sport is everything sort of is preseason except for worlds. And, you know, Houlihan's credit, like Jerry's got people, they compete when they want to and when it suits them. But they thank God they pick USA's, right? I mean, she doubles at USA's like pretty much every year. So they go for it there and they go for it at the world championships. And if you perform well at those, like, hey, at least the fans get to see you. But I don't know. Hassan, she's got, I don't know, maybe too many options on the table. Well, the final point I want to make on this subject, we've talked about this, you guys. Robert has implored Jenny Simpson to move back to the steeplechase, but if it's this is why this is how medals happen in the 1500 is people get hurt people make dumb mistakes in the final jenny simpson she's consistent she's like us steel she's there every year and she comes in and i wouldn't be surprised to see her get a medal if these women aren't 100% i know jenny simpson is going to run a smart race in the final i know she's going to be in the final I think she, I know she's going to get the most out of herself. Will that be enough for a medal? We'll see. But I think this could be shaping up perfectly for her to steal a bronze. John, do you support the steel tariffs? Are you trying to go political here? No, I was just trying to think of a reliable industry. I don't, is US steel still reliable? I feel like it was like 50 years ago, but I'm not sure if it's like a blue chip stock anymore. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure either because I thought the steel industry maybe was falling apart without the tariffs. So it's sort of a <laughs> joke. I was like, well. <laughs> well. So, sorry guys, I haven't really been paying attention to what you've been saying the last few minutes. I've been analyzing the Diamond League women's 1500 meter standings to see if Simpson will get into the final. She's third, she's like 10th and 12 get in, but it looks like she's got a good shot because, well, Coco is right behind her, so you think Coco would vault ahead of her. That's one, so there's two more spots. Eilish McColgan could get ahead of her. Maybe Elliot Perrier. It's kind of debatable, actually. Everybody does it. But, Anyways, we're all in agreement, right? I think you did say you wanted Hassan to do the 10,000, 1,500-meter double. Yes, I, I support that wholeheartedly. Yes, because then you, you know, uh, to me, the 1,500 is, is getting weak. And I heard, I did hear you talking about Simpson. I said, oh, my God, she's going to meddle again. This is going to prevent her. This is terrible, terrible news. I want her to get her blank pushed in at Worlds in the 1,500. So she does move up to the steeplechase. I only am doing it out of love and care for that gold medal that I want her to win next year in the steeplechase. Yeah, I, I can't wait till our post-Worlds podcast where Jenny Simpson wins a bronze medal and Robert is again imploring her to move up to the, the steeple still after winning another medal. But anyway, uh, let's move on, guys. Wait, let's no, talk no. About the pa- Let, let's talk real quick about the fact that this field is so weak does make it exciting for the Americans because we have a number of Americans getting into this Diamond League field and we weren't sure if they would get in. John, pull up. Oh, here it is. Um, I talked to, to Coach Mark Coogan of the New Balance team up there in your neck of the woods, John, and he told me a few weeks ago that Eleanor Perrier was on the wait list. Alice is Heather McLean for Birmingham, and they've both gotten in. We've also got Helen Schachtenhofen, another Dartmouth alum. John, everyone's connection to you is into this final or is into this uh, meet. Um, so those Americans all in the Diamond League final, big opportunity for them. All based in Boston as well. Heather McLean and Ellie Perrier with 
Mark Coogan's New Balance group and then Helen Schlechtenhofen with the Freedom Track Club, uh, Saucony coached by Tim Bro. So yeah, big opportunity for them. I mean, Ellie Purrier, we have seen her run a Diamond League early this year in Rome. She ran 402. She did very well there. But, you know, you look at the rest of this field, there's Jessica Hull, there's Coco, Constanza Kloster-Halfen. Um, there's Gabriella Stafford of Canada, who has been running well this year, and Aksumawit Mbai of Ethiopia. She was the one in the top so I think she, she she's been running decent as well, but you know, there's there's an opportunity here. I don't know how fast this race will go, but there's an opportunity for an American to run to place pretty highly here because you only have two Africans, which is Mbai of Ethiopia, Siham Halali of Morocco. So it's going to be you know I wouldn't call it an amazing race on paper, but I think the fact that we don't really know who's going to win makes it interesting to me. I kind of think. Uh... Coco or Du Bois Stafford, how crazy would it be if Perrier won it? I don't think it would, I mean, it wouldn't be too crazy. It would be kind of surprising. An American who makes the 5K team wins a Diamond League. I think Du Bois Stafford and Coco have been better. I mean, remember, Coco won the Want to Make a Mile indoors. So I think those two, and she's just coming off a fantastic 5K at the German Champs. So I think it's probably going to be Stafford or Coco. But we'll see. And Schlachtenhofen, give her credit. Dartmouth class of 17, she just got the Olympic standard in Memphis last week with a big two-second PR of 4.03. So that was impressive to me. Actually, speaking of the Olympic standard, I wanted to mention this fact that I I dug up. So how many women... All right, I'll I'll give you these stats, and if you guys haven't checked, I'll I'll see where your your knowledge is at. 35 women globally have the 2020 Olympic standard in the 1500, which is 4.04.20. How many of them do you think are Americans? Well done, Robert. Any guesses here? Fifteen. Excuse me, eight, eight, eight. Eight, okay. Well, I know the answer because I saw your document, John, so I don't want to... Okay, fine then. I could have faked it since no one knows. This is the integrity that I have, people. John's got a shared Google document with the answer in it, and I happen to roll, read all the way down. Normally, we don't, we don't read John's prep notes, but I, I did read them. Well, yeah, what, you just admitted you weren't even listening to our, our own podcast that you were on, so I was... I'm a little surprised you actually know. The answer is 10. So 10 of the 35 women in the world have the Olympic standard. So good news is next year, however USATF decides to pick the team, it's probably going to have three athletes in the top three with the standard in the 1500. And part of that was because the USA final this year was so fast as well. But on the men's side, Robert, I'm going to exclude you from this question. Well then, 25 men have the IAF sta- uh, the Olympic standard of 335.00. How many of them are Americans? Zero. Zero is correct. So, look. I mean, that's looking sticky. If they go, if the USATF goes top three men with the standard, and like three guys have the standard, that's I not going to re- be an interesting Olympic trials. Okay, mark this down. Somebody recorded it. Just fans, listeners. I, I, I'm going on record. If USATF goes top three only, I will not be going to the Olympic trials. I will not be going. I'll be staying home. All right. August 14th, 2019. This is, we, we've we've just put it down on the record. You mean if they only go top three with the standard? Correct. Instead of going to world rankings. And and John John thinks they're going to do that. I think they can't be that stupid. Um, I, I had a freelancer contact me this week. He's looking to do an article for Deadspin about the trials. And Deadspin apparently wanted him to know, like, well, what else could be written about this that hasn't already been written? I'm like, well, we don't even know how they're going to pick the team, so I don't know how you're going to write it. But, you know, I, I said for the average person, it's not that big of a deal who the third person is in the 1500. 
but for me it is. So I just want the marketability of it, top three across the line, go. That's preferred, number one. Number two, if we can't have that, let's just use the world rankings. Most of the big players will have the world ranking. Well, this is crazy. I think USATF, you're forcing that hand. USATF can't put in Olympic trials without Robert Johnson. So uh, I, I, this might be the thing that puts them over the edge to change the system. But how do you guys explain this? I mean, okay, so 10 more women in the world have the standard than the men. So maybe the standard is comparably slightly easier, but I, 10 American women have it and no American men. How do we explain this? Because of sexism, the rest the, uh, we can talk about how racist and sexist and homophobic America is, and the people on the left can complain. This isn't a, a perfect society, but with the freedoms that people have and the equality of status that, that that women have in this country is really, I mean, not the norm for mo- for us, the most of the world. Most of the women, particularly in Africa, I mean, when well, here's the story I always like to say about Africa. When, when, when Weldon was in Africa about, what, 10 or 15 years ago in Kenya, this was before Barack Obama was, was elected president. So what was that 2008? So this is probably like 2006, 2007. Some Kenyans asked Weldon, hey, what do you think about the U.S. presidential election? And Weldon's like, um, well, you know, there's, there's this, uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, like she's, she's a, a big name. She, she might win it. Um, you know, and like, what about Barack Obama? Again, they had the Kenyan connection. They want to know about him. But I think this is when Hillary was a little bit bigger at the time. Walton's like, well, yeah, he could do it too, but you know, you can't really discount Hillary. And a guy said to Walton, but she's a woman. Like America, that would be so embarrassing to have a woman in charge. So that attitude, I mean, and a lot of people over there, I mean, they don't have, you know, a lot of daycare centers, I imagine. So women have to raise their children and they're not running. And, you know, I mean, it's just a totally different thing. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about that, I mean, we had a national record in the Mexican 1500 meters this, this weekend, the national record for Mexico. I mean, Mexico's had plenty of, of fairly good 1500 meter runners on the men's side is only 410, 410 for the women's 1500. Don't tell me that's a talent. The talent genetics stops out at 410. I mean, because we know that's not true because Brenda Martinez, who has double citizenship it, it, it is, is close to like four flat. Yeah. In terms of the, it was 2007, World Cross Country in Kenya from Mombasa. I think I told the guy that Barack Obama would probably be the president. And he laughed and sort of said, oh, no, America's too racist. And then I said, he said, oh, what? I said, well, you know, then Hillary Clinton. And he said, oh, if she's elected, you know, no one will respect America anymore with a woman in charge. And I was like, well, what about Margaret Thatcher? And that kind of shut him up. But, you know, Title IX, it's a huge thing and really expanded women's opportunity for sports in America. Like, we have a whole pipeline with college sports where women from the age of 18 to 22 are encouraged to keep doing sports when it's not professional. Because I think for a lot of women's sports, the professional opportunities aren't there. We're starting to see it a little more in soccer. But I, I don't know. Just generally worldwide, men's sport is more popular. There's some exceptions with track and maybe tennis. But generally, like... The you know there's no question right the absolute level of a men's pro sport is higher than a women's pro sport not that women's pro sport isn't amazing but like you know Roger Federer is going to drill Serena Williams in tennis but sort of Title IX and college opportunities really create a lot of opportunity for women in America which is great. Hey, Weldon did a great job of summarizing my story that I dragged out for like two minutes and five seconds. Good job, Weldon. Pretty interesting though, right there. There's a guy there calling America out for being racist, but he has no problem just being completely sexist himself. And that's one thing I'm, I'm, I don't understand about the modern world is 
yeah, you know, like the founders of America, a lot of them had slaves and they were big time racist, but they were also big time sexist. And we never hear about that. We had, if we're going to change the names, you know, just because they owned slaves, shit, we had to take all their names off because even if they didn't own slaves, they were saying women shouldn't vote and, uh, you know, all this thing. So, wow, Robert, champion of the liberal masses. Never thought I'd say it. All right. Uh, one more Women's 1500 topic, actually. Let's hit on Sinclair Johnson, the NCAA champ out of Oklahoma State, has announced she's turned pro. Uh, somewhat interesting timing coming a couple weeks after USA's, but I mean, if you look at what she's accomplished this year, she ran 405 at NCAA's to win that. It's the second fastest time ever by a collegian. Then she goes to USA's and runs two seconds faster than that, almost makes the team, gets fourth place. Could still make the world championship team if Jenny Simpson wins the Diamond League final. Stranger things have happened. Jenny did win the final in 2014, but depends. So it really depends who's in that race, actually. But what do you guys make of this? Right decision for Sinclair? Grab the money and go? So I guess this means she's not going to Bowerman because if she's going to Bowerman, then Houlihan would have run the Diamond League final so she could win it and Sinclair would make the team as well. That's a joke. Conspiracy theory. People love conspiracy theories. Well, do, do I, am I happy about this? Do I think it's the right decision? I don't know. I want to see the money. Unless she's getting more than $200,000 a year, it is not the right decision. I think she should sell herself very high, minimum of $150,000. Okay, I'm sticking to $200,000. Because if you don't go to an established group without, without, without you know medical care, you're going to be spending twenty grand a year in medical care, or maybe at that age only ten grand. So, um, look, she's a smart woman. She chose Oklahoma State over Harvard. So I assume she didn't make some terrible mistake. Ricky Sams is a good agent. Hopefully she's being paid well. But I really like the I, I like kids staying in college. Um, I like developing a brand. I, I think next year if she if she hit it even better, she could be even hotter. People be desperate. It's an Olympic year, um, you know. But hey, she's had a fantastic season. But I just I I I think that the big problem here is. Do you really want to change everything before the Olympic year? I know people are like, oh, I need to change. She's run so well. She almost got top three this year. Like, she wasn't even that far from first place at USA's, remember? So I would keep everything the same. The college system works so well. Let's try to replicate it next year and then go pro. But obviously, she's not going to do that. But what is she going to do? I mean, Dave Smith um, historically doesn't like to coach pros. So is he going to agree to, co- to, 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 to still coach her? I think she still has another year left at Oklahoma State from an education standpoint. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens on that front. All right, guys, from a new pro to a very established pro, Shalane Flanagan posted this week on Instagram. She did her first run since she underwent knee surgery four months ago. And immediately when I saw this post, which is quote of the day currently on letsrun.com, I thought to myself, how many days until the Olympic trials in the marathon? Because she said, today I ran 12 bliss-free minute, bliss-filled minutes, two-minute run with one-minute walk, times six at 70 to 75, 70 to 77% of my body weight on the Alter-G. And there are just over 28 weeks until the trials for the marathon in February in Atlanta it's actually more than I thought. It's it's actually it's still, you know, a decent while away. To me, I think that's enough time to get healthy, get a build up in and, you know, put yourself in contention. I don't know if the try I don't even know if Shalane's getting fit to run the trials or to give Boston another go. Maybe Boston in the Olympic year is a little weaker than usual and it's easier to win, but 
what do you guys think? Do you do you think she runs the trials? Will she be competitive if she does, or does she skip it entirely? The Boston theory is an interesting one. I mean, she's always dreamed of winning Boston. That would give her, what, an extra six weeks to get ready for that. Um, you know, and, and a nice appearance fee there if she wanted to do that. That doesn't, that wouldn't shock me if she wasn't at the trials, but was at Boston. I'm also under this theory that I, I really think Desi's going to run Boston. Um, you know, I think we talked about that last week, but. You know, a poster on Let's Run under the name She Has 28 Weeks has her building up like this. He thinks she'll be there. Four weeks building back into it, into running every day. Ten weeks building up the volume. 12-week marathon training block. And then two weeks easing back. So that's still, the, it's just hard. I mean, if you're coming from surgery, I, I don't know, like four weeks just to building back up. You know, you got to build, so you build up to... Well, four weeks to getting back every day, then 10 weeks to build up the volume. So that is two and a half months. Yeah, it's doable. But you know you know what I really like about this is Shalane in her post, she's 38 years old. You know, she's made, what, four Olympics teams, 04, 08, 12, and 16. And yet she still has the passion for running so much. You know, she had four months without running and it was just gnawing at her. And she said, I was so excited for today. I actually laid out my running clothes last night, just like I would do before the first day of school when I was a kid. So I just love that the passion is still burning there for Shalane to get back to running. And hopefully she's channeling that passion into a big goal, whether it's, you know, the Olympic trials or Boston. Yeah. So we should probably make our predictions yes or no. Will she be at this trial start line? I think if she really wants that, the answer would be yes, because she's so motivated. If she doesn't want to do it, wants to do Boston, I'm going to say no. Um, Welton, what do you think? The motivation part is interesting because I feel like we've been hearing about her retirement and how she wouldn't be at 2020 for a while. Like, you know, thinking, oh, she hasn't raced in a while, but you know, she won New York two years ago, ran it last year to defend, and they act like she wasn't going to do that. That was her last race. But the fact she's on a treadmill and all excited clearly shows she's motivated about something. Um, and I just tend to think that's the trials, right? Or does she just say Boston's it? And this is my final race. You know, she gets a really big appearance fee and calls it a day. I don't know. Um, which is such an interesting timing because she won't be, there's no way she's ready for something in the fall. I think, I think she does another marathon. I'm not sure what it is. No, no. I'm calling Boston. I, I think that she, Boston has been the one that she's really wanted to win for a long time. 2018 was the last time she ran it and she was in pretty good shape. And, she got the de- like. Remember, she just coming off a victory in New York. You know, people were talking: Can an American win Boston? Will it be Shalane? I think Shalane was probably the American people expected to win that year, not Des Linden. And the weather just sort of wiped out any chance for, for Shalane, at least. You know, and also her, her mid race bathroom break. But I think, yeah, the, when I look at it, you know, she already has an Olympic silver medal. It's not in the marathon, but you know, she's checked off win an Olympic medal. She's made the Olympic marathon and run well there a couple times. I think Boston is the thing that still motivates her. That would be my prediction is we see her on the start line of the 2020 Boston marathon. Good point on the Olympic medal. I think she doesn't need to do that again. I think you're probably right now. Yep. Boston 2019. All three, the bold take by let's run. We agree. Shelby, uh, Shailene Flanagan will skip out on the Olympic trials to run the 20. 20- 
20 Boston Marathon. And then she can also do New York in the fall, not have to bother with dying in the heat wave of Tokyo. And no, then she's done. I think Boston would be it for her. But I guess if she got back healthy, she spends all that time getting healthy, you can get this huge paycheck to come back to New York and just end the career there. And hell, if you win Boston, John, you have to come back to Boston the next year because you get even another huge paycheck. The only issue is if, if she wants to have any any biological children, she's getting up there in age. Although hopefully, you know, you can freeze your eggs nowadays. She's already 38 years. She, actually, tomorrow is a big day for her. Tomorrow she'll be 38 years and 38 days old. Today she's 38 and 37. Yeah. Huge day. Uh. <laughs> well, we were sort of talking about how athletes, you know, they don't have to do the Diamond League final. The Birmingham meet maybe isn't that good. One quick thing on Birmingham, actually. Do you guys see who's in the 800 meters? Kate Grace. Melissa Bishop. First race in two years. World Championship silver medalist. Ajay Wilson as well. But Kate Grace in the 800, you know. So we'll sort of see how that pans off. But... You know, she's super motivated, right, to go run Diamond Leagues because she's not going to Worlds. So it just sort of shows how if you can make the end-all, be-all meet, that's all that matters, but the other stuff doesn't. Um, You know, like there's a men's 400-meter hurdles in Birmingham, but nobody good's in it. None of the big three. I'm upset. Shelly and Fraser-Price is running the 200. Christian Coleman's in the 100. So there are some good other stuff, but... Let's turn to another meet, the Pan Am Games that happened this past weekend. I don't know where to begin with it. Generally, Pan Am's is known for its lack of stars competing, and I guess the question is, like, how do we entice more meets to matter? That's sort of a huge question sort of we're always discussing on the podcast or trying to revamp the Diamond League next week to make more stars do it. But Pan Am's, you know, there's no prize money, so it's like, do you want to take this opportunity or not? I find it interesting, like, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price and Elaine Thompson both did the Pan Ams for Jamaica. So essentially at some point, some federations can pretty much say like, hey, you want to go to Worlds? You go run Pan Ams. So I think it was great to see names like that there. But on the American front, I don't know really where to begin. I mean, Nikki Hiltz got a gold medal at 1500. That was a very good run. Good experience for her, I believe. You know, then also you start winning stuff. You get on a medal stand. You get on a podium. It's pretty cool. Um, all in all, there were nine athletes. Let's run.com spent $2,000 to fund an arbitration case. Nine athletes put on the team because of our arbitration got on the medal stand, which is kind of cool. Robert, I think you're pointing out probably about you noon. Know, maybe if they weren't there, you know, nine other athletes would have gotten medals, but it's still a real impact solution for those athletes. Like they rightfully earned their spot on the team. They should have been there and they got a medal, which I think is cool. Um, I don't know. In the distances, there were some sort of shocks, I think. I don't know. Like two guys who didn't make NCAs won the 800 and the 1500. Do you guys want to talk about that? Bryce Hopple didn't run that well in the final. Uh, what are your thoughts on Panims? I want to, first of all, pat ourselves on the back. I like to pat ourselves on the back. I was thrilled that nine athletes that we sent to Pan Ams won a medal, including one of them, Justin Robinson, a high school phenom. This kid's 17 years old. He's run 44. 44, 84. Yeah, for the 400, he won the silver medal, I believe, right, John? Uh, Let me check. He won the bronze medal. Anyways, you know, thank you. You're welcome, Mr. Robinson. Hopefully you learn what Let's Run is. You went there because of us. But 
so that that was very satisfying, and I think that this meet in general, I mean, the Commonwealth Games in your for you know people, former British colonies is a huge, huge deal. This could be our version of it. So uh, I want to praise particularly the people that made worlds that still went to this meet, like Nikki Hiltz, uh, Katie Najia. How do you say her name, John? The pole vaulter Najiot or something. Najiot. Um, so a number of big names did go, and that was sort of controversial. And let's run. Of course, the Nike Oregon Project members. Had had said they would go to Pan Ams, and then once they met the world, they did not go. And there was a debate on the forums about whether that was appropriate or not. Uh, we actually should have employee one point one Steve Soprano on as a guest ho- guest right now because on our weekly conference call, he went off. He thought it was terrible that they didn't show up. I get why they didn't show up, and I think it's totally in Alberto Salazar's DNA. Like you do what's in your best interest. Period. If you can get away with it, you do it. You know whether it's. L-carnitine, whether it's, you know. How does this sentence end, Robert? I'm very interested in how that sentence ends. I was going to go with androgel massages, but we don't know if those happened or not. But if you can do it and get away with it, you do it. And, and that's the modern day society. Like you worry about yourself, period. But imagine if the entire team was made up of people like this. Imagine if the number one person in America, also they would go and then no one showed up. It would have been very rude to the host down there in, in Lima, Peru. So, you know, I'm not going to go crazy on them, but I feel like I ultimately I blame USATF for not anticipating this. It was a very one-off thing how they had to pick the team before USA's and USA's happened and the meets the next week. So, but USATF should have somehow anticipated this, you know, and said, hey, you don't sign up and not go. Yeah, I, well, I think one, it's unfair to single out Alberto Salazar because one... Donovan Brazier and Craig Engels, they're actually both coached by Pete Julian, his uh, assistant. Two, he was not the, they were not the only athletes who, who missed this meet. Jeff Henderson in the long jump, Hannah Green in the 800, Tiana Daniels, Angie Ellis in the sprints, Corey Carter, who didn't even run, give a serious effort at USA's and then didn't make run Pan Ams. I don't really know what the explanation is there, but I think, I think it's, look, it's, USATF's problem is the athlete's problem. I think if the athletes sign up for a spot and they know there's a good chance they should make Worlds, they're going to make Worlds. And Corey Carter knew for a fact she was making Worlds. They should say, hey, I'm thinking of declining the spot, get someone ready. And USATF needs to anticipate like, hey, if we get people who make the Worlds team and a week and a half later they're expected to go down the Pan Am and Peru, maybe we get an alternate ready or maybe we require them, hey, if you make this commitment to run for us, you have to do it or you can't run worlds. So I think it's both athletes and USATF. It's a solvable problem and it wasn't solved this time. And unfortunately that means that a bunch of athletes missed out. I mean, we're only sending one athlete in some of these events. Some, I'm sure there are many athletes who would, you know, give their right leg to run for the U S at one of these major, uh, you know, global, not global championships, but a championship where they could win a medal. So I think it's a solvable problem and it just wasn't solved by the athletes or USATF in this instance. I mean, I think in some ways, right, the people at USATF, they have to send a team because the Pan Ams and the USOPC are closely intertwined. But the performance people at USATF are totally rewarded and compensated on getting medals at the Olympics maybe what to a lesser extent worlds they don't really care about pan am so some athletes skip out it really doesn't bug them but the core of running the belief of running there's all these people who want to make usa teams and there should be something put in place if you make a team and decline without an and then withdraw without an injury that there's some sort of penalty otherwise yeah the athletes will look after their own 
you know, self, self-interest, um, which is kind of what they should do. And it's sort of a reflection of where society is at right now. At some point yesterday, you know, there was a Craig Ingalls quote, and he said, you know, right after he made the team at Worlds, he said at USA, he's like, I'm not going to Pan Am's. If I hadn't made the team, I was. So, he, you know, he gave as much notice as you could. And it was quote of the day, and I sort of took it down. I'm like, look, are we just trying to, like, piss on Craig Ingalls? Like, other people did this. So I wrote Steve, and he said he put up the quote of the day. And, you know, he's like, no, I'm not out to troll, but, you know, I, I was just trying to highlight this to some extent. But he said, he wrote a long email explaining himself. This is an issue that I feel passionately about and really think Ingles and the other athletes are very much in the wrong. I think they disrespected Team USA as well as their fe- fellow athletes who lost a spot because of their selfishness. I'm putting myself in, in the place of an athlete who, who making USA team would be a dream and not an experience they get to have often, if ever again. This is coming from Steve, you know, a guy who like had an outside, outside chance of thinking he could make the Olympic marathon trials. So sort of just the dream of making the trials or making a Team USA is what it's all about. And he doesn't want other athletes to get deprived of that. It makes sense. But until USATF puts in better rules for some of these things, this is going to happen. You know, athletes sort of going through the motions at USA the world is going to keep happening. Yeah, but well said. I mean, I, I, I see both sides. I don't really have a, you know. I didn't expect Ingles to go, so it played out how I thought it would be. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the action. I, the most interesting thing that I thought that happened in terms of the track and the distances was how the two guys that bombed it in CAs, Carlos Villarreal and, and Marcus Arop, didn't even make the finals. Both won their events at Pan Ams with sensational performances, a 144-2, right? A full second PR for Arop. And then Villarreal closed in like 52 seconds. He had like, a, I think, a 24. Four? Not 52. I think it was... 50, I had him at like 54 mid, but he closed in 25.9 for his last 200, which was really... He, like, he was in fourth. He looked like he was out of the race and then comes and blows by Johnny Gregoric and William Paulson, who beat him at Pac-12s and won the title for Mexico. So those were two really impressive... And Marco Arop, he's now the third fastest Canadian ever. He didn't even make the NCAA meet. He's only fifth in his heat in at the East regional. So to me, that says he was probably injured. I, I'm just speculating here. I don't know for sure, but I would have to think he didn't look right in that race in East regionals. And then he goes two months without racing and then he comes back and gets second at the Canadian champs. And then he wins this race in a PR. I think he may have been injured. Maybe it's a blessing for disguise. I mean, 144 low, you know, you could maybe make the final at worlds off that if he's still in that form. And once you're in the final at worlds, who knows what the hell could happen. And let's talk about a guy, an NCAA star who struggled in this meet. That would be Bryce Hopple of the United States, recently of Kansas University, just announced he's going pro. He only ran 147 in the final in the 800, well-beaten fourth place. I mean, to me, he just looked tired in that race. I think he's been racing a lot this year. USA's is three rounds. That was the toughest one he's had to go through. He got third of that meet. I thought it was really good. But... For a collegian, I don't expect collegians to be running really well, you know, when we get into the middle of August. So I'm impressed that he was able to hold his form through USA's and maybe he just needs some downtime or some time off in between now and Worlds. I think he can recharge, but I just hope, you know, you hope it's not the end of the line for him this season. Correct. He looked terrible. You know, I mean, 500 meters into the race, you can kind of tell he didn't have it, but maybe it's the Let's Run.com jinx. We interviewed his dad last week and he doesn't run so well. No, kind of kidding, but 
we talk about skipping. I mean, we sort of criticize these guys, and you see why. I mean, this would be the perfect meet for him to skip. Once he makes the world championship team, he's had a hell of a long season. Oh, I'm going to Worlds too. Like, do I really need to go down to some meet and run that no one's going to really remember until you know next year, anyways? So you see why the people do skip it. I mean, this is the perfect. He's the perfect example here of someone who, you know. But hey, it was his first, you know, time to wear the Team USA jersey. We're glad you went, you know, but this is, again, just part of the problems of sport. Part of the problem of sport has is there's no one in charge. So everyone's kind of a free agent. They're doing their own thing. And, you know, I'm glad that he went. Hopefully he enjoyed Joey Lima at a minimum. And, you know, I imagine he won't race between now and Worlds, and hopefully he can get ready for for that. But it's kind of interesting because Isaiah Harris did run well last week. He ran, I think, in that Memphis meet. He he ran 145 again. Um, He's actually in pretty good form. So, you know, if you had – selectors picking the team you might kick hopple off and put harris but hey this is why usa's should have been we wouldn't have had we wouldn't guys we wouldn't be having any of these problems if usatf had just put usa's in the middle of august like now or actually when kenya's doing it in september well one thing i'm i I think is an interesting point this is brought up on the message board it sort of gets to the point you made robert is the upside for a lot of these americans like the real stars running pan ams here's a sec i i wish I could give credit to the poster. I, I don't know exactly what his name was or her name was, but they explain like, look, if you're a stud, you go down to Pan Am's, you have to make this trip to Lima where it's sort of chilly because they're in the winter right now. And you go down and race. And if you win, everyone expects you to win. And if you don't win, you get criticized for not winning because the competition isn't that good. And you have to take all this time out to travel and it messes up your training schedule and everything. Or you just stay home and, plow through it and just train instead you don't have to get the travel disruption you don't get criticized if you lose i mean if you're a real star there isn't a huge incentive to go run this meet that's a good point i mean nikki hiltz could have skipped pan ams and probably been in birmingham diamond league this week you know so i'm, I'm rooting for nikki the rest of the year nikki i've got you in my corner i hope you rock it john that was good the poster could have been a woman um We'll be coming out today or tomorrow with the top three in the Running Warehouse Prediction Contest. One of the top three was a woman. Proof that women do come to Let's Run.com. And thanks to Running Warehouse for sponsoring that contest for free day, two-day shipping on running shoes from Running Warehouse. And they also gave away the Hoka One One Clifton 6. And, dude, Hoka One One is killing it. I saw an article, and I think it's called Footwear News. Growth is... Deckers owns them, and Deckers' growth is up ten over ten percent thanks to Hoka One One. Now, do you guys think that's a coincidence? That's you know, this is like the first quarter after they did their big push on Let's Run dot com. Obviously, we should take the credit for it. Have you notified their advertisers the 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 about the correlation between the two? I'm sure they know. They're clearly very smart. You know, they're starting to kill it in the running industry. They reached out to us. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure they already know this, but you know, if you're listening, guys, I think it's a direct correlation is causation. I think I learned that in economics. Okay, any anything else on Pan Am games? No, I think. Uh, well, then, how about you've got a couple segments that you want to debut? Well, one new segment and then one uh, old segment that you want to debut. Shall we get to it? Uh, yes, I do. I have a new segment. It's called "Where Your Dreams Become Reality." And that's the slogan of the website. And with all the sort of toxicity in just the world, I think it's just Twitter and the internet. You can sort of hear from the fringes and they become more mainstream. But we need to highlight some good things. 
And the website, in theory, is about dreaming and striving for goals and achieving those goals, or at least sometimes achieving them. So my Dreams Become Reality segment is from the NFL. Have you guys heard of Damon Sheehy Guespi? I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing this name correctly. Anyone? Yeah, he, he's the guy who like lied to the Browns to get a training camp invite and then had like a punt return for a touchdown, right? Yes, thank you, John. Never never ceases to amaze me your sports knowledge. This guy, he'd been sort of a junior college. He wanted to play, I think, basketball. Went to junior college, had some academic problems, was a really good punt returner, then was going to go to, like, was sending stuff to every, like, SEC school. That sort of fell through for academic reasons. And now he's a bit older. It's been a couple years, and this guy, supposedly, he's a beast in training. He hooked up with some people and told his mom, like, I'm just going to go for this. I'm going to try to make the NFL. This is my final shot in sports. She supported him. He essentially bought a one-way ticket out to some training camp in Miami, Florida, and was just like sleeping outside because that was saving money and just training all out. He knew the Cleveland Browns were going to have some sort of like open tryout. Convinced the manager. He Googled the guy, found out what he looked like, essentially got a tryout. They, he ran like a 4-3-40. They signed him to the practice squad. He gets in for a preseason game. It's, you know That was in April. Now you fast forward his first preseason game. He runs back a kick for a touchdown. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts. So the guy may be cut tomorrow, but it's sort of a really cool story. I didn't hear about the lying there. What was the lying part? I didn't hear any lying. Um, John? I, I thought Weldon knew the details. All I knew was that he lied about something. I, I didn't know exactly what it was. So the, so the lying essentially was, you know, he, he went to Miami where this workout was, and he sort of con- had to convince, like, the security guard he's, like, supposed to be there. And then sort of he gets in gets in the door and then meets the, you know, the player personnel guy and sort of convinces him that he's supposed to be there for this tryout. And, like, none of this was true. He just, he just was not supposed to be there. But it sort of knew a guy from flag football days who said, this is where you need to be. And so he sort of just talked himself into it. Yeah, Deadspin says that when he showed up to the Browns workout, which he wasn't invited to, he convinced the doorman that he was friends with Browns vice president of player personnel, Alonzo Highsmith, which was a lie. And then once he got in front of Highsmith, he, quote, convinced the exec to let him run, and he split a 4-3-8-4-D. And yeah, I, history. I, I remember reading another, another article, now that I, John says that, I, I think he, like, he convinced them like he knew the guy, knew the name to drop, and then once he walked into the facility, like he recognized the guy from his picture and went up to him and just like just sort of talked some stuff to him to act like he should be there, and the guy kind of went for it. So very, I mean, <laughs> crazy. His mom said, you know, she does operate in the real world because sometimes I'll get emails that let's run. They're like, hey, I want to quit my job to move to Flagstaff and train, and I always ask these people, I'm like, uh, well, uh, how good are you? Because, I don't know, I mean, I kind of did that for the Olympic trials. I was going to do that for four months, but I had a good backup plan. Like, I could go back to my old job. The economy was great. And it kind of worked out for me. I obviously didn't make the Olympics, but I started Let's Run.com. I got fourth in the country twice. I became a much better runner than I thought. But, uh, I don't know. There's some beauty in being young and foolish. But his mom said, I was as supportive as I could be, trying not to crush his dream, but making sure I wasn't being a detriment. Really being, a, I want him to be a really productive member of society. 
Goals are great, but he was getting older. I was like, hey, you can do this and you need to do it. You need to follow through though. You need to show up. It's just not always about training. It's about a bigger picture too. So that's what you can do. Then put 110% and I will support you in any way that I can support you. And that's what I've been doing. My pick for this is a runner. And we've actually already talked about him on the show. It's Marco Arop of Canada. And I know saying that a guy, you know, he was a 145 guy. Now he's a 144 guy. And he was the Canadian champion last year. It's, you know, it was a minor surprise that he won Pan Ams and he set a big PR, but obviously he was credentialed. The thing is, a few years ago, he wasn't even a serious runner. I mean, there's this article, Laura Ewing of the Canadian Press, she wrote this last year after AROP won the Canadian title in the 800. And he was, you know, six foot four and he ran track in elementary and high school, you know, a little bit, not really seriously but said that he was really wanted a basketball scholarship. Uh, but then his, his senior year, or grade 12 for Canadians, at blessed, blessed Oscar Romero High School, the coach convinced him to go out for the track team, and he ran pretty well. In that, this was 2016. Okay, so he, he ran pretty well, delayed college for one year, and in 2017, he ran 147 for 800 meters, and he got the, the silver medal at the... Pan Am under 20 championships. The next year, his freshman year at Mississippi State, he runs 145 and finishes the NCAA runner up. And now he's the Pan Am champ. He's the third fastest Canadian in history. Pretty good for a guy who only really started training seriously three years ago. Now he's run 145, 144 for 800. So, how is that inspiring? Dreams become reality, John. That's just going to crush people. That it's all about talent. You can sit around. You don't need to need train. Play. Actually, this is actually a plug for David Epstein's book, Range. Do other sports. Don't specialize, and and then your your true talent will come out when you're older. Robert, just sorry before we head into yours. Uh, how about this? His backstory is pretty intriguing as well. He was born in Khartoum, Sudan, and he was forced to flee. Uh, from Sudan because of the civil war. They emigrated to Egypt when he was two years old and then to Saskatoon in Canada and then to Edmonton. So he's got an interesting backstory as well. I'd say uh, there's definitely some dreams become reality aspects. So obviously he's a huge talent too. Yeah. It just also shows you like, think about how many guys there are. I mean, how many people there are in like countries like the Sudan or, you know, they could be world beaters that just don't have the opportunity. But my, my dreams become reality, and we also have mentioned this person, I think, briefly, or maybe not their name, but we mentioned their national record. Let us introduce you to Laura Galvan. Laura Galvan went to Kansas State. I think her career ended in 2014, and she had modest PRs of 429 for the 625. 425 by Tillis Tapaja, Robert. Okay, just looking up her collegiate PRs for 429. Maybe she ran 425 after college. So let's go 425, 16, 37. She didn't run for like three or four years. And then she's come back to running this year. And um, she's a Mexican national. And she, last week uh, at Portland Subtown Meet, she set the national record of 411. And then now she ran 410, 53 at Pan Ams to place fourth in the Pan Am 1500. That's a national record for Mexico. So that sounds pretty good. National record, fourth place. The 5,000 was 45 minutes after the 1,500. She doubles back in that, and she did not set a national record, but she did win the gold medal in 1527. So she's now gone from 1637 down to 1527 and from 425 down to 410, 
with no competitive um, results for three or four years there. So again, this is just all about talent. Although some people appear only appear to be a little bit suspicious about this, there is a message board thread heart, um, on her. Well, I have one on her fifteen hundred meter record, saying hard to believe the women's Mexican record in the fifteen hundred was four eleven twenty six until last month. But there's a thread to discuss Pan Am five thousand meter champ Laura Esther Galvan Rodriguez crazy improvement. Yeah, well, I mean, I got to admit when I heard about this story, I was a little skeptical. She didn't race. 2015 was her last results for all the databases. So she didn't race in 2016, 2017, or 2018. And now in 2019, she's coming out and breaking national records and winning Pan Am gold medals. I don't know anything about her backstory, so that's I don't I can't come out and I'm not going to go out and accuse her of anything. But yes, it is a little suspicious when someone's totally off the grid for three years and is suddenly breaking national records. I mean, it's a crazy story. She didn't run at all, and now she's that much better. But I don't. If you're just juicing up, I don't think that alone would do it. So, it's dreams become reality. But hey, that's a kind of a sad part with our sport, right? There's always this sort of skepticism that's there. Related to that earlier, I think Robert claimed that Brenda Martinez is a dual citizen. I don't think that's true. I think her parents are Mexican immigrants. She could get. I I, I realized when I said that may not be true. She could run for Mexico if she wanted to, based on her parents' heritage. Okay, that makes more sense. So back to, I mean, if you look at Galvan, I mean, when I'm looking up on Tillis Jobshed, just her season has been amazing, starting in March, 428, 425, 423, 420, 416, 411, and 410. Every single race, faster than the other. Um, in the 5,000, same thing. Uh, not not every race. 1638, 1615, 1624, but that was at altitude. 1527, 1535. So I guess actually she, she won Pams in 1535, not her, not her PR, 1527, which came at the Sunset Tour meet. So... Yeah, I, I can see why people. I mean, in this day and age, everybody should be suspicious of everything. What is the you know we talk about mottos. One of my mottos is, if something seems too good to be true, it normally is. That's a good mantra to live by. But if you're going to defend her, I would say, look, somebody that stuck with it for four years, she hasn't been racing, or for some reason was came back after four years. Like obviously, they're very very motivated. Why would you stick with it? Maybe she's been injured all those years, or there was obviously some desire. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like something burning deep in her to make her come back. It's not like you just think, oh, you know, it's not like you're thinking, well, I guess some, I guess you could get hooked up with some like local coach who says, hey, if I give you these, you'll be really good. But who knows? I'd love to hear the explanation. If someone knows Laura or if Laura herself wants to come on the podcast and talk to us or, you know, anyone knows the, the reason behind her big improvement, Jonathan Gold, let's run.com. I'd love to hear the story. Uh, I'm not, yeah, again, not accusing her. I just, I don't know anything about her. So I'd love to learn more how the acu- improvement came to be. You committed earlier this year to having a podcast once a week. We've held to that. I think now I'm going to commit to having guests. Not every week, but at least twice a month, we will now have a guest. You should have your guest as a separate podcast, the Weldon Johnson interview podcast so that john and i can have more time to shine on this podcast guys i think we should move to things we learned on the message board or things that fascinate us on the message board our message board threads of the week and mine i put this up on the message board on the front page this morning um regavals my favorite person in track and field the person that gives me so much to talk about every week we talk about him alberto salazar Posted by Time Machine Administrator. And basically the thread is, would a 1981-82 Alberto Salazar beat Galen Rupp in his prime? And you have to assume that 
this is a fascinating thing because if you look at their PRs, you say, of course not. Like Rupp is so much faster than Salazar, he would wipe him clean. But the assumption of this message board is, no, you give everybody the same shoes, the same treadmills, the same drugs, the same supplements. I'm not, when I say drugs, I don't necessarily mean PEDs, it's just, you know, modern technology. So basically Salazar gets to coach him, like gets to coach himself. So he, he is in the Oregon project in his prime and, and a number of posters, and I kind of think I have to agree with him, are going with Salazar. I think that's the the big thing, Robert, is he has said repeatedly that he made mistakes in his own career. He obviously had a successful career, but it was cut short, and he's trying to prevent those with Galen. And so if you give, you know, 61-year-old Alberto Salazar as the coach, if you have him coaching, you know, 25 year old Alberto Salazar and mentoring him and telling him not to make these decisions and, and, you know, making sure he's not going too hard to the well and workouts or races. I think it's a fascinating discussion. I, I still think I have to go with Rupp. I mean, Olympic silver medal in the 10 K and that's against all the East Africans as well. He's run three fifty in the mile he, he just I think his track his track career I think Rupp's still the better runner but in the marathon it would be interesting because Alberto was obviously a fantastic marathoner you know one New York one Boston ran 208 in Boston on the you know really hot miserable day the duel in the sun when he ran that won that race so that to me would be very interesting that's faster than Galen's run in his two attempts at Boston by the way so I think the marathon, it's a close discussion. Maybe you edge Alberto because he gets the benefit of training his past self. I don't think on the track, Alberto would be a better runner than Galen. Yeah, I'm sorry. The threat was about the road. I mean, but it's not like Al- we, we, Alberto was an amazing marathoner, but it's not like, 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 let's look at Rupp's career marathons. First Olympic trials, third Olympics, second Boston, first Chicago, first Prague. I guess he had a DNF there in, in um, Boston when it was, and, and then fifth in Chicago. So the worst marathon of his career, other than the DNF when some freaking snowstorm hit Boston, the worst marathon of his career, like, is either a fifth in Chicago in 206-21 or a third in the Olympic Games at 210-05. Right, but... So Rupp is an amazing... I said I'd go with Salazar, but I don't know. I mean, man, that's Rupp's got a pretty good... pretty good, And, and if part of that was when he was injured... Like he's running 206.21 while injured and he had surgery a few weeks later. It's I want to see what Rupp does in Chicago. I mean, I'm pretty excited about that. It's just an interesting thread to think like how much is technology different, you know, and all that. One thing I was thinking about, Alberto, I think there was a recently um there was some discussion about Ryan Hall. He he appeared on the Lance Armstrong podcast. And for some reason, I just thought about Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall reminds me of Alberto Salazar. Like Ryan Hall wrecked his. Ryan Hall now is on T therapy. Like he admits it to being on T low testosterone. You know, he had low testosterone, and he now is can take testosterone. That's why he's so jacked when he lifts weights because he's on testosterone, and he and he also lifts for several hours a day. But I feel like Alberto's career was he wrecked his endocrine system and was not able to you know stay at a high level for very long. Same thing with Ryan Hall. His career ended fairly early, so it's just modern you know medicine makes a big difference. Wait, Ryan Hall admits to being on testosterone right now? That's what I thought I read in the thread. Maybe I'm wrong. John, any... I I think he's done that, but I I don't know 100%. I don't want to come out and say he did it unless he, he's actually been doing it. 
All right, we'll look into that. But yeah, listening to that podcast, I listened to it. I think the podcast was from the fall. I guess Ryan has a new book out that I wasn't aware of. You know, Ryan was saying he tried everything. It did remind me of Alberto, how he wrecked his body and all this stuff. He's trying all these like crazy diets. I think he was on like the keto diet at some point. It's just like, like who thinks that's a good idea for running? It just sort of seems crazy some of the stuff he was doing. But he would, yeah, I thought he was jacked from working out, not because of maybe he does supplement his testosterone and, you know, that, that is sort of becoming common in the United States for athletes, for, you know, like recreational athletes as they get older. I mean, there's, advertising in sports radio all the time for it yeah when i was talking to ryan in boston and i'm like man how'd i get jacked like that he's like well i'm working out you know two hours a day i was like oh well i'll pass okay guys i found my source it's a message board poster i don't want to be sued in case ryan hall is not on on the t you know actually to be sued on a public figure i'd have to knowingly know it was false but under the first page under the thread lance armstrong talks to ryan hall the bottom of that first page clyde the glide a message board poster says Plus, he, referring to Ryan Hall, has all but said outright that he's on T-therapy. That's fine. It's a legit medical treatment. But then to be so boastful about your lifting and muscle progress is a bit distasteful. So maybe this person, maybe he isn't on it and he's just getting it from lifting. Or maybe he is. But that's why I got the impression that he was on the T-therapy. Of course, it's just a message board poster. So what do I know? All right. Well, that's our Ryan Hall talk. How about us, Salazar? We hit our quota for that this week. I'm going to go on to my thread of the week, and I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on this. So the thread is called The True Goal of Let's Run. Poll. So he said, this will probably be taken down immediately because of egos. Not true. Not yet, at least. What do you think the main goal of Let's Run is? Is it A, to keep the owners of the site relevant and make them feel good? B, a true media outlet that reports accurately and timely news about track and field to the public. Then they said LOL in parentheses. C, a safe place where people can anonymously post opinions with no repercussions. Spelt repercussions wrong. D, a site to further the sport of track and field and make people more knowledgeable about the sport itself. Or E, other, explain. What do you guys come down on that? I need to hear them again, but I think it's a combination of those things, right? Like, obviously, Let's Run.com is a business. We need to stay in business. We take our role in the sports very seriously. We have a very influential role in the sport. We're one, like pretty much like one of the only entities that covers running as a sport day in, day out. We have a lot of influence in the sport. We try to use that for good. Um, we want to have an open discussion where people can discuss things they feel free to discuss things i i really believe in anonymity on the internet i think there's a lot of problems i don't want people to be harassed in the internet i think cyberbullying is a big problem that sort of stuff but you know whether someone wants to discuss whether a pro runner's doping or something like that treating running like a sport when it's a pro celebrity figure like i really don't have too much problems with what's being said there but you know i think people should be allowed to discuss running discuss politics see different points of view so i like the community side of things what are my other options d and e <laughs> well just google it and you can see all, all of them to, to me like he doesn't even i, I would say b we're a true media outlet that i reports accurately timely news about track and field to the public i mean that that's the main goal let's run to me was founded for a very simple reason we wanted to celebrate the elite aspect of the sport to me runner's world was going too all in on the jogging, the participation, the health aspect of the sport, the charity run aspect of the sport. We celebrate the sport 
of running versus compared to the fitness activity of running. So many people in our sport are going towards the fitness and the other the, the, the other stuff, whether it's the wheelchair aspect and the participation aspect and the charity aspect. We celebrate the sport of elite running. So our main and that was one of the main that was probably one of the main reasons. There's really three reasons. That was one of them. The second was the internet was coming out. There was no reason. Other entities did that. Yes, track and field news celebrated the elite aspect of sport, but nobody wanted to wait six weeks till after the competition came out until they edited the magazine and shipped it to you in the mail. So the internet was instant. We recognized the internet. Running was the perfect medium for the internet. And then um, I was going to say there was a third reason. Oh, to celebrate our wonderful coach, John Kellogg. We felt like people should be running a lot faster. We felt like he was a genius. We felt like the average coach out there, particularly at the collegiate level, was really bad. And we wanted that knowledge to get out there. A lot of it did get out there on the message board, and people were running a lot faster. I don't think it's just because John Kellogg got on the internet. A lot of smart people got on the internet. And a lot of just the nature of the internet itself. I mean, you can go on there now, and a really smart coach can reach the entire world. Yeah, the internet really has changed a lot of things. Now, one thing I picked up from the Ryan Hall Lance Armstrong podcast was, you know, Ryan Hall is from Big Bear. It's one of the few high altitude places in America. And where does Ryan Hall live now? He lives in Flagstaff. And when I moved to Flagstaff, there was like pretty much no no American pros living there. And then the internet got real quickly. I was singing the praise of that. But the internet, I don't deserve really credit for it. The internet gets out the information. This is the best place to train. People start talking about training and sort of stuff. You could argue these discussions go on, obviously, without Let's Run. Maybe they'd be on Reddit or somewhere else. But I think it's great to have sort of like elite running discussions centered in one place. Is the discussion perfect? Far from it, right? Like someone, if you can create a perfect virtual community, let me know how to do it. But you got to learn, you know, how to filter some things out and, obviously we're always trying to work and improve the community and that sort of stuff but all in all like i think it compares very favorable to like you know comments even on the washington post or the new york times or something like there's just a lot of vitriol out there and i think all in all for an open forum it's pretty amazing the community we have on let's run john yeah it's interesting i i read a an article, a Boston Globe article in the NFL recently, and I read the comments. I never read the comments in online articles, but I scrolled down this time because I was interested on them. It was about uh, the NFL reporter Ben Volum is trying to find Josh Gordon, who's the troubled receiver who has been suspended by the NFL. And he went down to Florida, and it was just person after person ripping into him and trashing the rider, and it was crazy the amount of vitriol and hatred just for one article. So I I guess, you know, people think they go to Let's Ride and they see, so it, because the whole thing is a message board or the message board portion of it, obviously we have original reporting. They see this negativity and they're like, well, everything must be terrible. It's like, well, no, if you compare this to other places where people are commenting anonymously on the internet, I actually don't think it's that bad, but obviously there's some crap on there, but there's also a lot of good insight. And, you know, I think this is you know interesting discussion, and you've heard it now from the bro Joe's mouth. And I want to apologize to the person who started the thread. I said they spelt repercussions wrong. Turns out I just don't know how to spell repercussions. Even though I won the Jungle Middle School Spelling Bee in eighth grade in two thousand five, don't know how to spell the word repercussions. It's R E P E R C U S S I O N S. I'm wrong. You're right. 
uh, congratulations. I'm actually reading at, at the five options. I would, I would say that all of the options I, it says are, are true. I wouldn't say that the main goal is to keep myself relevant. I mean, for the most part, y'all get got on me, but for the most part, I publish under the name buyletsrun.com instead of myself until recently. So now I'm trying to keep myself relevant now that I'm getting older. But, um, you know, there's not one reason why the website was started. But, John, thank you for the introspection. Since you were a young child, 19 years ago when we founded, John, you were – what were you doing 19 years ago? Uh, I was living in England. I went on – I think I went on vacation to the Netherlands that summer, summer of 2000. Had my first McFlurry. Um, How old were you? How do you know this? this? Your brain is amazing. Robert, you don't remember your first McFlurry? Oh, it was amazing. I remember the ad campaigns. I went to Amsterdam. What, what I was like, we have you? to get a McFlurry. I was nine years old. They don't have McFlurries in England? That was like the first year they came out with the McFlurry. And so I, I don't remember. Maybe they didn't have them in England at that point, or they had just come out with them. And the first time I could get it was when I was on vacation. Okay, here is, I just Googled McFlurry, and here is what comes up. Uh, it was first sold, wow, the first McFlurry, where do you think it was sold? Bathurst, New Brunswick, Canada in 1995, but it wasn't introduced in restaurants in the UK until 2000. So I was my memory was correct on that one. It's getting ready for Brighton and Hove Albion to begin the season in the fourth tier of English football, and now they're in the Premier League. And uh, we should probably mention here Brighton won 3-0. That maybe should have been my dreams become reality segment. They won 3-0 on the opening day of the season. Uh, we're going to the Champions League now. We're, right, we're in one of the Champions League spots. So great weekend for Brighton. Right. My man crush of John continues. John, I'm such a big fan of you that this weekend, even though I don't follow Premier League football, I didn't know that it was opening day weekend. I wanted to see like how your teams did. I don't even know who Weldon supports. And I, I, I typed in Premier League scores, and it bothered me that Google showed the scores. So I went to some website that had all the scores there. And then I tried to figure out like which team was John's. And then I found it, and I was like, wow, three to nothing. And I spent 10 minutes watching the entire highlights of the game so that I could support my valued employee. Wow, I can't believe that you still don't know who Weldon supports. You know, he knows it's one of the Premier League cl- top clubs in the Premier League, Crystal Palace. I was going to say New- Newcastle is my guess. That's my second team. Dwight Gale will be back soon. He did not get transferred. This is going to be a great season for me. John, I'm sick of this crap right now. 100 bucks, I'll bet you Crystal Palace finishes above Brighton Hove Albion at the end of the season. I certainly don't have that level of confidence in Brighton. I'm not taking that bet. I'm just enjoying We're riding high right now. I'm Thank enjoying you. that. That's all that needs to be said. Carry on. Well, well, then how about we get to your thread of the week? You, Since you're the one who wants to do these segments, what is the thread of the week that you have selected? My thread of the week is entitled Simone Biles High Jump World Record. And the po- first post is, how high do you think Simone, Simone, Simone Biles could go if she could adapt her gymnastics to the high jump? You know, could she jump 6'11 easily? And then people point out, you know, crazy stuff on there. She's only four foot eight. And then they get into this whole discussion of whether her she takes Ritalin and that can suppress growth. There's all these things, like how does she stay so small, which I hadn't thought about. But you're you're not allowed to high jump off of two feet, so it's not allowed. But she, what if she just did a you know a, a somersault off one foot? How high could she go? People are saying it wouldn't be that high. But then in the thread, somebody points out that in 1956, a man broke the javelin world record. Like he threw the javelin kind of like a discus, and you actually can throw the javelin way further that way. I think you would still have the world record now. I didn't like read into it more and more, but. 
it's just sort of crazy the stuff some people find. So I never knew that the javelin, I mean, clearly it should be pushed out of the Diamond League if we don't have the best world record, you know? Like, we should allow discus, we should combine the discus and the javelin. I think that's the solution to cutting events in the Diamond League. Wait, you're selling, you're saying if you throw the javelin like a discus, the t- they'd be able to throw farther than the current top athletes throw the javelin? I find that very hard to believe. Well, why don't they do it then? This doesn't make any sense. Is it is it outlawed, John? Like, why would... Okay, I've got a little more on the javelin technique, read up on it. It's called the Spanish Technique. The Wikipedia article is only in Spanish. It's by a guy called Felix Erasquin. But when you Google it, you then go to a book called The Biomechanics of Sport and Exercise. And this stuff is pretty crazy. The guy was 48 years old, I believe, when he did this, and he's breaking the world record. He experimented this from the book. He experimented with an unconventional way of throwing the javelin. Rather than throwing it over the shoulder with one hand from a run, Erosquin spun around like a hammer thrower and slung the javelin from both hands, which guided the implement. To reduce the frictional forces acting on the javelin as it slid through his hand, the javelin was dunked in soapy water to make it slippery. The outstanding results were banned by the IWF. So, IWF, quelching science, quelching progress, way back. Just imagine, you know, if we had people with, like, slippery javelins throwing around with, with soapy water. We'd probably be, like, killing spectators and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Might have been a good decision to ban that one. Yeah, sounds dangerous. Though, it is weird to me, why is jumping in the high jump, jumping off of two legs, that's that's illegal? That seems kind of strange to me. One other thing I wanted to bring up is when Weldon mentioned before the podcast that this was the thread he was going to be choosing for Thread of the Week, he called the female jam- gymnast who the thread is centered around Simon Bowles, as opposed to her actual name of Simone Biles. I was shocked that the greatest gymnast in history, and that's what it seems like everyone, I'm no gymnastics expert, but that's what it seems like everyone has crowned Jim, Simone Biles at this point. Weldon not only pronounced her first and last names wrong, she he, he called her Simon. I mean, John was just using, I had had my coffee, and John was just using the word gymnast, it's gymnast. I mean, my, my apologies to Simone. <laughs> did I say gymnast? I don't know. I thought you did. Just giving you a hard time. Yeah. Well, guys, do we have anything else on the show? Because I've, while y'all have been talking, I've been Googling about Damon Sheehy Juespi, Cleveland Browns guy, and I have a lot of articles I need to read about him once we go off air. No, I think just maybe we teased it at the very beginning. I think uh, Falmouth Road Races this weekend. I'm heading out to Falmouth for the first time in four years. Edward Cheserek has been a late add to the road race field, so I'll try to talk to him, get the scoop. He hasn't run any Diamond Leagues this year. Kind of curious. Can he not get... Do you think he can't get in Diamond Leagues, or he's just not interested in running them? To me, it's probably the former, but I'd be interested to see what his reasoning is. He ran 13.04. You think his main goal, he can't go to Worlds, would be to break 13, run fast. Like, What's the point of having this huge sponsorship contract with Skechers? Is it Skechers? Yeah. You know, if you're not going to race, so... Ask him about that, John, and I'm sure you'll probably annoy him when you try to ask him about the citizenship, but that's the obvious question. I know he doesn't like to talk about it, but this guy would have a very good shot at making the Canadian team this year in the 5,000. So, hey, it's not too late, Edward. You can go down to Canadian trials in a couple weeks. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Edward, if he wanted to, right, could probably make the Canadian team for Worlds or would have a shot. 
Yeah, John, I would not suggest asking him about the status of his U.S. citizenship. He just doesn't like talking about it or maybe well, ask his I'm going to ask him about it, Weldon. I mean, we haven't... It's been a while since we've heard an update from him. I'm going to ask what the, where the process stands. And if he gets... You know, it's his right to not choose to talk about it, but as a, I think i got to do my job and ask him what the deal is. Weldon's like all into not upsetting anybody anymore. I know. I'm changed. You guys are in B... Category B, real journalist. I'm not. I'm just A, trying to stay relevant. Here's the Kenyan list right now for the 5,000 in 2019. 1257, Nicholas Camelli. 1303, Edward Zakayo. And then Edward Cesarek, number three, 1304. So he'd have a pretty good shot to make that team if he goes to the trials. Though he'd be, well, he'd be racing at altitude, but then he's been training at altitude and Flagstaff, so. Also, next week, guys, I'm on vacation I will be in Wyoming and Idaho, so I'm not sure I'll be on the podcast. I'm a little worried about the editing. If anyone wants, <laughs> listens to this podcast knows anything about editing, wants to help the crew out, I might be able to be on and be able to do a little bit. But guys, I mean, I don't know. You guys can be able to hold down the fort without me? I think we'll manage. Wasn't that the week you were supposed to have Max Siegel on your podcast, Weldon? It's not going to happen? I've reached out to Christian Taylor. I've not reached out to Max. I'm just waiting. You know, I'm going to start the string of guests in a row. I'll probably have Max... Well, in Doha, you guys can have Max on when you guys are all in Doha together. Good idea. Good idea. All right, guys. Birmingham Diamond League is on Sunday. John will be at the Falmouth Road Race this weekend. I will be heading off to the great, the great Mountain West. Till next week, Wells and Johnson signing off.